Live from New York University, it's the NYU Arts and Science Alumni Podcast. Featuring special guest, comedian, and Tonight Show staff writer, Mike Drucker. In your website bio. Yeah. You're right. Mike Drucker started doing comedy on a rainy Friday afternoon after spending months recording himself in his sad little NYU dorm. Yeah. Is that true? And what dorm was it? <laughs> it was Third North. Okay. Where I actually, I, I was all four years at Third North because I was an RA the last two years. In the first years, it wasn't a freshman dorm yet. I don't know if it's still an all-freshman dorm. Um, so I was at Third North all four years, and uh, I started doing comedy when I was an RA, and I recorded myself every day for like a month, two months, and what I didn't realize was, I, I don't know how networks work anymore, but at the time, if you put something in iTunes, almost everyone else could hear it unless you protected it, and I didn't protect it, so people sort of knew I was thinking about doing comedy. Mm -hmm. These terrible, it was, I was terrible, terrible not funny jokes that people were listening to in the dorm, which was super embarrassing. Um, but I figured if people had heard it, I might as well do it anyway, so I went on stage and did it at an open mic. And so what was your experience like at NYU? Do you have any specific memories that stand out? Any professors? Um, well, definitely, I mean, there's definitely some professors that I loved. I was an English, I, undergrad, I was English and journalism double major with a creative writing minor. And I did the sort of accelerated master's program for English. So I also got my uh, MA here. Um, definitely Brian Waterman is a, he was my grad professor, but he was also one of the first teachers I had at NYU. Um, super awesome dude. He might be teaching abroad now with NYU but one of the abroad sites mm -hmm. um, Cyrus Patel was another great professor uh, a professor named Haruko Moma who was uh, an Anglo-Saxon professor who was almost my master's or my grad advisor until I decided to not do Old English um, although she was a great great professor um, I had a lot of really good professors at, at NYU um, Darren Strauss was a, one of my writing professors really good guy mm -hmm. um there's a lot. There's there's a lot of good professors here, uh, better than I've heard from other people who went to other colleges. And then your career path after NYU, um, did you just start um, doing stand up or? Well, I was doing stand up when I graduated from grad school. I went straight from undergrad to grad because mm -hmm. um, I had no job plans, which is not a good reason to go to grad school, <laughs> but I still did. And uh, I right after grad school, I got hired by an advertising agency and it was terrible. I was a copywriter and I was, I was terrible at it. They, they knew they had made a mistake and I knew I had made a mistake doing that job. Um, so about six weeks in, I, I wasn't quite fired. I didn't quite quit. It was like a conversation in which I was like, yeah, I'm going to probably leave. And they were like, ah, eh, it's not working out. So I left. And then I uh, got a job working at Showtime who's trying to launch a computer, a video game thing. I'm also very into video games, along with comedy. Um, and they're trying to launch a video game service, so I was a writer for them, and that's when the economic crash happened, and, I, and they just closed the department, and everyone lost their job. And then I sort of, uh, I had interned at SNL while I was at NYU, and I was just lucky that when I lost my job, they had a position open for a photo intern, or a photo assistant, and I was hired as their photo assistant, sort of just, you know, whenever they had a photo of, like, President Obama, my job would be to make sure we have legal clearance for it. Mm -hmm. And I did that for about two years while also submitting jokes to Weekend Update. And I started getting material on, and I got more and more material on, and it got to a point where um, I wasn't ready to be hired as a writer, but nor was I happy with my job as a photo assistant because I felt like I was doing well as a writer. 
So I left there and then took a job in Seattle at Nintendo, where I became a writer at Nintendo for about a year and a half. And then I took a job doing comedy videos for about a year. And then I was hired by late, at the time, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon and moved back to New York. Hmm. So sort of a journey around the country, then back to New York. And then the late night became Tonight Show. Tonight Show, yeah. What's like a t- typical day like for you now at the Tonight Show? Um, well, luckily, right now, I'm off for the week, which is nice. We're on hiatus, which mm-hmm. is the best weeks we have. Um, typical day for me, I wake up pretty early, about 6, 6.30. I go into work, and we have sort of... We have a producer who sends us a bunch of news stories. It's the biggest news stories, what happened in entertainment, what's happening in politics... I go through them, I write jokes, and I write pitches for the show, you know, jokes I would be using in the monologue, uh, ideas for sketches that they could possibly use, and we do that until about 11. At 11, my supervising writer, he picks everyone's jokes, and then we go in with Jimmy, Jimmy reads them, and then based on what Jimmy likes, we put them in front of a rehearsal crowd, and based on what the rehearsal crowd thinks, we put that on on the show, and then... We tape at five, then I go home, I recuperate for like an hour, and I start writing for the next day. So I'll look at the news that night, write for the next day's show, and then repeat. So it's, it's a pretty intense job when we're doing it. Um, you know, when I'm there, I'm there, you know, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., and when I get home, I'm writing for two or three hours. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely an intense, uh, not difficult in a bad way, but it's definitely a taxing job that requires more work than... You know, what you'd think seeing television writers on TV. Right. And, and can you talk a little bit about your process, your creative process, writing jokes? Um, how you find something funny and something, you know, in, in a news item? Sure. Uh, you know, it depends on the situation. There's going to be news stories. When you see, like, a news story where it's like, you know, the, someone found the world's fattest dog, there's a lot of easy jokes you could write. So that's a little more just like, you know, you... You know, you have ideas, and you write them down, and then you sort of iterate on those jokes. Then there's really dry news stories, you know. You know, we'll have news stories that's big news, but, you know, with taxes or, you know, the government shutdown where people are tired about hearing about it, tired of hearing about it, and that's more like, you know, you sit down and you'll almost, you'll be like, okay, what's funny about this person in the news story? Is there anything funny about this person in the news story? Is there anything funny about where it took place? Is there anything funny about... You know, what was said specifically, like if they have a quote. And you're sort of just looking at every little element of the news story to try to figure, to pull out an angle. To pull out something that you can make fun of or something that you could flip on its head. And sometimes it really doesn't work and sometimes it works really well. Mm-hmm. Is there a joke that you've written recently that you're really proud of? Uh, I always forget. <laughs> People always ask that and I always segment idea, always right? forget. Um I had a joke which, uh, I can, I can, okay, I, one of my f- favorite jokes I wrote recently, and I'm trying to figure out the wording of it because I sort of wipe my mind after every show just yeah. to clear it out, but, uh, there was a, there was a new study that showed, um, that kids can tell when their parents are lying to them, and it was, a especially when you, when the parents say that they love them equally, <laughs> which is just, is, it's sort of just like the slight meanness of it. Right. <laughs> um, so something like that. That would be right. my, that I can think of off the top of my head as my favorite joke recently. I don't think people realize how many jokes you're writing oh, and yeah. then how few really make it 
Yeah. How many jokes do you write in a typical day? On a, on a good day where, you know, we don't need a lot of extra stuff, I'll write 1 to 150. Yeah. 100, 150. And on a good day, I'll get two or three of those in the show. Right. So it's not, it's not great odds. <laughs> What's the writer's room like at the Tonight Show? And how does it differ from before when it was late night? Is it pretty much the same? Are there... It's pretty much the same as late night, luckily. We were all very worried that when we switched to Tonight Show, we'd suddenly, like, you know, lose what made us us. Right. And luckily, you know, by the fact that we have the same leadership as we had before, and Jimmy's got a very strong voice of what he likes to do, um, we didn't, which is great, because, you know, all of us wanted to be us. Right. Um, that said, it depends on the situation, like... When there's, like, a big pitch meeting, like, everyone's having fun and shouting stuff and, like, in a good way. Like, everyone's sort of enjoying it and playing off each other. Um, you know, but, like, when you're writing, it's weird because when you're writing, it's just, like, an office. Mm -hmm. It's, like, a silly office and we'll say funny things, but, like, there's two or three hours of the day where it's just people intensely typing on their computers as fast as they can. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really fun. And the nice thing is everyone I work with is funny. They're all good, funny people. Like, we can go out for drinks, we hang out, I'm good friends with them. I've had Thanksgiving with some of them. Um, do you guys have a softball team? They, you know, they do play <laughs> softball. They do play softball. I've never played, but they do, We, I think they've played softball against The Daily Show. Right. I've never played, though, because I'm <laughs> incredibly inept at, at sports. Cool. Uh, you're active on Twitter, mm -hmm. and I'm curious to hear your thoughts about social media um, I, f I see a lot of shows putting extra content out there that, that isn't necessarily make it onto the show. Yeah. Um, what's your thoughts about that? And, and what's your thoughts about uh, social media as a platform for comedians putting their writing out there? Um, well, I definitely support putting unused stuff on the internet. One of the frustrations that you know you have as a comedy writer is sometimes you'll write something that does well, the audience likes it, but because of time or just because of a tough choice, your thing doesn't make it. Mm -hmm. You know, and sometimes it doesn't make it again because it d did terrible and it doesn't deserve to make it, but sometimes, especially like when you see SNL sketches that are put on even though they were cut, it's sort of like, this isn't going to go anywhere else. We might as well, we made it. You know, maybe it wasn't a good fit for the TV show, but let's put it out there. Mm -hmm. And that's very, I mean, it's very nice as a writer to see something appear at all. So, I definitely support that. As far as social media goes for comedians or performers, it's super useful. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there's. I know that when I was hired, my Twitter feed was cited as a reason they hired me. I know, I have friends who were hired, not just, like, there was a guy who works on uh, Seth Meyers' show. He's not a comedian, he's not a comedy performer. He was a tech guy in Illinois, and he was just really funny on Twitter, and that got him hired on the show. Hmm. It's, a, it's a super useful tool. And the nice thing is, as a comedy writer... Or just as a writer in general, you can sort of be yourself. Like, you know, I'm fortunate that I don't work in a business where I, you know, have to hide behind a fake Twitter handle. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that if I'm weird or dark or say something crazy, I'm not offensive. I'm not a, an offensive person, but I can sort of be me without worrying about professional repercussions. Right. Aside from going on Twitter, what advice would you have to someone who's looking to get into writing comedy for television? Um... Besides going on Twitter, I would say start performing now. You know, especially if you're in, like, there's no wrong... The nice thing about comedy and the nice thing about writing is that it's not as ageist as many other artistic genres. Mm -hmm. 
Um, like I have friends who are comi- uh, musicians, and they have a much harder time once they reach a certain age because audiences have certain expectations. Comedy doesn't really have that. Um, so just start. It's 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 really scary to start, but the sooner you start, the sooner you can not be bad at it. You know, and it's not like music. It's not like American Idol where there's people who are just good, you know, naturally talented or, you know, they, they sing in the shower every day so they've developed a skill somehow. You know, re- comedy requires constant failure before you get anywhere near good. Mm-hmm. That said, that's something everyone goes through. So if you are thinking about trying comedy, just don't be afraid to keep failing until you start to figure out how to do it. And then you will keep failing. Like, I have terrible days. I have terrible failure days. Um, days where I get nothing on the show, then have a terrible stand-up set at night. So it still happens, but it's just doing it is really the only advice. And I know that's annoying to hear from writers and comedians, because that's the usual advice, is just write. But it actually is what you have to do. Um, Which sucks, but it also means that you don't have to buy anything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much for coming by. Yeah, of course. Of course. For more information on Mike, follow him on Twitter at Mike Drucker.